0: Welcome to the Synergy Mindset Coaching Podcast. We have Second Chance Story on the second of each month, and our guest today is near and dear to my heart because she is a master life coach, and she teaches coaches tips, tools, and techniques that will up-level their skills and increase their confidence. She's also an Emmy Award winner, a four times best-selling author, and the host of a podcast, Master Coach Mindset. She has a community of fearless living coaches that make a difference in the world. Please welcome Rhonda Britton to the show.
1: Hey, welcome to me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much.
0: Well, we are so excited to hear your story today. Would you start by telling us just a little bit about what your life looks like today so that we can get to know you?
1: Oh gosh. Well, what my life looks like today. Let's see. Uh, Today I woke up and my... uh... (laughs) You know, my life is so, uh, I, I am so blessed. And, you know, it was a long journey to get here. You know, it was a really long journey to get here. Uh, but I am so blessed. You know, I, I, I uh, run the Fearless Living Institute. I've trained over 500 coaches. I uh, teach workshops. I do online courses. I love, one of my favorite things is to train coaches and to teach coaches to become more masterful. And, um, you know, I, right now in my life, I'm writing a fifth book, about my dark night of the soul. And I would say that the last five to eight years of my life have been the deepest, most transformational time uh, as I've delved into the dark night and then as I have come up through the gravel and through the dirt and, you know, have, have you know, uh, spiders in my mouth uh, trying to uh, leave the dark night behind and emerge into a new, uh, a, a new being, i.e. a more... Um, it's like the phoenix rising I always think the dark night is a phoenix rising so right now I am in the process of just simplifying my business making it more attuned to where I am in my life right now and uh, being surrounded by good friends and uh, good people and good coaches and and it was just my birthday so I just had an amazing weekend surrounded by love so um, Do you have anything specific you want to know about my life right now? Because gosh, I could go on and on and on.
0: No, that's perfect. And I just want to say
1: happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) My my house dress is like fall. (laughs) My office is like the beach.
0: (laughs) I love your transparency, though. How you're like, life is great, but it wasn't always. And before we get into your story, can you tell everyone what you asked for for your birthday present? Because that was just so unique and awesome.
1: Oh, well, what I asked for for my birthday present from my tribe, from my community, is um, how Fearless Living, the work that I do in the world, has impacted their life. Uh, Because, you know, there are days that I don't think I'm a good coach. There's days that I go, "What am I doing? Maybe I should just, you know, you know, hang it up. Uh, maybe I should quit." You know, I have everybody has those days. Just because you get fearless doesn't mean those moments don't move through you. And one of the things that I do when I am feeling like, "Oh my God, I'm just the worst," or whatever that is in that moment, for just a, you know, for a moment is I read uh, testimonials or success stories or uh, love notes from people that have taken the work of Fearless Living, and it reminds me that, oh yeah, regardless of how I feel at times, regardless of what I'm going through, the work that's birthed through me called Fearless Living transforms people's lives. Mm -hmm. And so for my birthday this year, I said, I asked um, my tribe, tell me how Fearless Living has impacted you. Remind me so that in my dark days, in my moments of forgetting, I get to be reminded by your lovely words and videos and audios and all the things that you, that you shared with me. So, uh, um, it was a, it was a beautiful, um, it was beautiful because I got to read, uh, email after email after email of love notes and it just filled my heart and reminded me, uh, how good it is to be alive. Uh, and that actually is part of my, uh, next year's, this next 12 months intention is to really embrace the aliveness, of uh, within me and within the world, you know, just alive, just the aliveness. Uh, And that made me feel alive. And it made me reconnect with once again, why fearless living matters.
0: Oh, that's such a beautiful place. And it it just makes me not want to go to the next question. But the next question (laughs) is important. Because on this podcast, we talk about it all the good, the bad, the dark. Yes, as we should. (laughs) We should. And this is asking you to Tell us your second chance story, but take us to that moment in time that you consider the worst moment, the moment that most people don't want to share, they don't want to talk about, and then we'll just talk about your journey, and you can take us with you along the way. Uh, well, I've
1: had many second chance moments. I've had, uh, I, I think that we all have, but the worst moment of my life when I really thought life was over. Uh, it took me 20 years to get over that moment and um, the moment that I'm talking about was uh, you know I was 14 years old and it was Father's Day and my parents were recently separated and my father was coming out to take us to Sunday brunch and uh, when he came over to Sunday brunch Uh, you know, my sisters are fighting it out in the bathroom, trying to get ready. I'm in the bedroom with my mom fluffing up her beehive hairdo. (laughs) And my dad comes in, come on, come on, come on. And you know, that's what dads do. And my sisters are still in the bathroom fighting. We had one bathroom in our, you know, 850 square foot house. And as me and my mom, you know, get our coats on and start going out to the car, uh, my dad says he is going to get his coat because it's getting a little chilly out and starting to rain. And, um, so my dad opens his trunk. My mom and I are on the way out of the house. My sister's still in the bathroom. And uh, instead of, I noticed that he hasn't grabbed a coat, but he's grabbed a gun. Oh, no. And he starts screaming at my mother, you made me do this. You made me do this. And he fires. And I start screaming, what are you doing, dad? What are you doing? Stop. And he cocks the gun mm-hmm. and he points it at me. And I absolutely believe I'm next. Mm-hmm. And he blinks eye blink. We stare at each other. And then my mother, and it seemed like eternity. I'm sure it was only like three seconds, but it seemed like 10 minutes. And my mother who has one bullet in her notices that gun in my face and literally screams out, no, don't. And my father realizing my mother is still alive, takes that bullet intended for me and shoots her a second time. And that bullet goes through my mother's abdomen, out her back and lands into the car horn. (laughs) And, ah. in the next second my father comes running next to me puts the gun to his head and fires so in the in a matter of 2 minutes my father had murdered my mother and committed suicide in front of me and i don't know how anybody else would respond but how i responded was it's my fault because mm-hmm. i was the only one physically there that could have done anything to change the outcome mm-hmm. i didn't jump in front of my mother. I didn't grab the gun. I didn't kick my father in the shins. You know, I didn't, you know, wrestle him to the ground, right? Mm-hmm. Again, logically we can be like, Well, you're only fourteen and logically he's bigger yeah. than you. Yeah. it doesn't matter. Logic does not matter in the face of our pain, right? No. It doesn't matter. And so for the next twenty years, um, you know, I basically split into two. You know, the the part of me that you would have ever met would have been like, Hi, I'm fine, and I've got straight A's and I'm Got a college scholarship, and I'm amazing. Mm -hmm. And you know, the part of me that uh, was true, the true me, uh, basically uh, just felt she was damaged goods, that she wasn't good enough. And I became an alcoholic. I tried to kill myself three times. And I, being an alcoholic, trying to kill yourself three times, I bet you can guess I got three DUIs. Mm -hmm. So um, for the next 20 years, I had nightmares every night that my father was killing me, was Mm -hmm. uh, shooting at me. So, uh those 20 years were on one hand, again, if you would have met me. if you were really perceptive, you probably would have known something was wrong with me. Mm-hmm. But you know, most people don't go to that level. they just kind of want to pretend want to pretend along with you, and I just would pretend I'm fine and um, but I really wasn't fine now, during that time i I read books and went to therapy off and on and took workshops, and I did a lot of things to try to quote unquote help myself. Mm-hmm. And they, they were great tools and great skills, and I'm grateful for every single thing I ever did. But nothing during that time made me, um, made me believe I was okay, never took away the feeling that I wasn't good enough.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was that third suicide attempt when I realized that I'm not very good at killing myself, and I've got to figure this out. And um, you know, I, grew, I I came, I was very much alive after that third suicide attempt. And by the way, during that third suicide attempt, um, they sent me to a psychiatric ward for evaluation because clearly, if I tried to kill yourself, if you tried to kill yourself three times, you should be evaluated. Uh, and I was in a lockdown facility for I think four days, and with a little straitjacket there. And oh um, it was yeah, it was really really scary. And I think that woke me up to a certain extent but it was really recognizing that I'm not dying and I can't keep living like this, that I've got to figure out another way. Mm -hmm. So when I was dropped off at my little studio apartment in Los Angeles, I lived by myself, not good idea by the way, um, um, I, I recognized that I had to start again. I had to really start over. I had to do something different because my life was not turning out the way I'd hoped, the way I'd wished, the way I wanted, and it was never going to. Uh, If I kept doing what I did for the last 20 years. So that was the moment of reckoning for me, uh, of recognizing that I have two paths, you know, and I'm at a crossroads and which path am I going to take? Am I going to keep doing what I'm doing, i.e. drink, i.e. try to kill myself, i.e. pretend I'm okay when I'm not, or am I going to choose a different path? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's
0: such a powerful, powerful place to be. And I think there's a lot of people listening right now that may be at that exact spot right now.
1: Well, I think that we all come to crossroads at so many times in our life. I, I referenced my dark night at the at the top of together, and that was also a crossroads, right? You know, I think we're presented with crossroads in our lives and we have to have the courage. And that's one of the things, one of the reasons I, I specialize in fear is that we have to have the courage to take the bold steps to choose our soul's calling and to live our true our true nature uh instead of choosing the path of quote unquote least resistance or this is the path i deserve because I, for 20 years i thought that's the path i deserved i thought i deserved to drink i thought i i e in the bad sense of the way like i deser- i didn't deserve to be happy if you mm-hmm. watch your mother dying you don't save her you definitely don't deserve to be happy mm-hmm. if your mother's not alive you know and you were there i mean really for 20 years i I did not believe I deserved happiness. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that, sadly, is true for a lot of us because of our past mistakes, because of our poor choices, uh, because of the things that happened to us. Um, you know, people that are attracted to fearless living, and probably people listening right now, I bet you attract the same tribe, is that I don't attract people that are looking for a way to blame everybody else they're, they're over, they're over responsible. They're overachievers in the sense of responsibility. And um, you know, they, they always blame themselves, right? And so, um, you know, at that crossroads uh, you, one of the things you get to do is you get to decide to quit blaming yourself. Because what I've learned about fear and what I teach about fear is that um, it, it, this is not your fault, it's not my fault. This was not, this is not your fault. Um, this is how fear works. This is our neurobiology, and we can shift and turn on other parts of our brain if we so choose, but we have to turn them on, and, you know, it's not my fault. Obviously, my mother is dead, and again, logically, we know that, but that's not – the feeling isn't the, – the, I had to shift the feeling. I, have to, I had to shift my filter and how I saw the experience, and um, so, you know, we come to a crossroads. All, all of us come at crossroads so many times in our lives, and, you know, do I take this job and – uh, you know, for less money and do more what I love or, but I have three kids and I have a partner. And mm-hmm. so we get caught between our responsibility and our soul's calling. And because again, we're over responsible. Many times we choose the lesser path, the path that's really not chosen for us, a mm-hmm. uh, path that really isn't ours. So on that fateful day in my little studio apartment, um, I said to myself, uh, I have to go back to kindergarten. I have to start over. I mean, I literally said, I have to start over. I have to go back to kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And so I said to myself, what do you do in kindergarten? Because uh, I have to believe in myself again. I have to believe that I'm worthy of this hope, I'm that I'm worthy of this second chance, okay? So I went to the store and bought a you know 99, 99 cents calendar and uh, got some gold stars. And for the next 30 days, I... I put a gold star on any time I did something good. And the things that I did good, and I still have the calendar by the way, and it's in the in my office to remind me daily about how far I've come. Is that calendar says things like, got angry but not devastated, uh, you know, didn't have a drink today, uh, mm-hmm. was able to say, I'm sorry didn't attack the waiter at the restaurant <laughs> I'm not talking about evolved things on any level, you know, uh, you know, I would give myself a gold star for like, I cleaned the house because, because at that time in my life, cleaning the house was a chore. It was something that felt so overwhelming. So I gave myself gold stars. Any time I chose life that I chose to think before acting anytime I chose a, a made a better choice, let's put it that way. And at the end of 30 days, uh, Gina, my star was, my, excuse me, my calendar was filled with stars. And that gave me permission and gave me hope that maybe, maybe, maybe I was worth saving. And that was the, really the turning point in my life because it was such a grave moment, i.e., you know, just getting out of the psych ward, mm-hmm. killing myself trying to kill myself for the third time and realizing that, uh, you know, nobody's coming to save me anymore. Like, nobody's coming. I remember something else that happened uh, that, you know, when I was in the psychiatric ward, my sister came to visit me, my older sister. And um, she sat down in this little (laughs) lockdown facility with me in my little cell, so to speak. And my my bed was like a cot. It was like a little, not even a twin bed. It was one of those, you know, really thin... Mm -hmm. And there was a little tiny chair and it was just like, you know, it was like we're crammed in this little locked box. And um, I remember as she's talking to me, Gina, and she's looking at me that I could see in her eyes that she had given up, i.e. in the sense this is the third time maybe Rhonda really is too far gone. Maybe really Rhonda is too Mm -hmm. screwed up. Maybe Rhonda has a mental illness. Maybe Rhonda is, you know, um, unfixable in her mental illness, you know, again, whatever, whatever she said to herself. Right. Yeah. And, um, maybe nothing will help her. And I remember seeing in her eyes that, uh, that, that she had lost hope. And I think that was also a huge, uh, motivator for me because I knew if my sister lost hope, who was kind of the last person standing, uh, uh, then I really did have to save myself. She wasn't going to come and save me anymore. Like, there, 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 she wasn't doing that. Like, I had to do this. And I think that's true for all of us. You know, there, the, we, you know it's like that um, Mary Oliver po- poem. You know, that we, we, the only person we can save is ourselves, and we must save ourselves. So when we talk about second chances, when we talk about crossroads, um, yes, are, are people there always to support us and help us? Yes. Um, but we can't expect them to save us. We must save ourselves. We must make the decision. We're the only ones that can. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that was a huge thing for me to recognize that my sister, um, was really wondering if I was able, if I was going to live, if I, if I was worth, if I was worth having a relationship with because of my, of my behavior.
0: I just want to point out and recognize though, that you had a choice in that moment. And I've known people in that moment that have been defeated by that and, just been like oh if my own family doesn't believe in me then I'm not worth believing in so what you're sharing is so powerful because even if you have no one in your family to believe in you you can believe in you
1: yeah I mean it's like it's like going down the path it's like okay Rhonda look at your last 20 years you have nightmares every night your dad killing you um you pretend you're okay with everyone around you you drink yourself silly um, you, you know, sleep around, um, you know, you do things that disempower you and, um, and you're going to pretend everything's okay. You're going to not, not deal with what's happening to you. Right. And it was a real choice in my moment, a really choice in my life that I was like, okay, either if, cause if, if my, if my family doesn't believe in me and I decide not to believe in myself, then I'm just going to have more of the same, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just more of the same. And I didn't want more of the same, right? And I and I think that we have to decide. Again, your family doesn't believe in you because you've exhibited time after time that you're not going to listen to your family, that you don't care about what your family thinks.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it, they don't have the reservoir. They don't have the resilience. They don't have the fortitude necessarily to, you know, they're not in your skin. So I, again, I'm going to go back to that Mary Oliver poem. You know, it ultimately, ultimately, And we all know this intellectually, we've all heard it in poems and songs, Uh, but it's true. The only person that can decide your fate is you, and the only person that can save you is you. And again, sure, you can get support and help, workshops, therapy, coaching, uh, et cetera, et cetera, but you're the one that has to decide whether to do it or not. You're the one that has to decide to stay alive and not... uh, you know, not punish yourself for being alive, but actually decide to be a part of this world, be a part of this uh, community called called the United States, called Europe, called France, wherever you live, right? To be a part of where you live and 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 be a vital member of society. And again, until that moment, um, I was always looking outside of myself for permission. And that day I took the permission, I I decided. And so I'm glad you pointed that out, Gina, because I think that's where we can stay victims. You know, if 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 we say to ourselves, well, my family doesn't believe in me, so why should I believe in myself? Then you're being a victim. And um, I I think for most of my life, I know it. I was a victim. You know, they're not treating me good. You know, why don't I get chosen? Why didn't I get this? You know, what happened to me? I mean, I, I oh, God, I could tell you such horrible stories of my victimization and how I blamed and shamed other people and, uh, and, and just screamed at them and hollered and just like, you're doing this to me. I mean, if you think, if you remember what I told you, story about my father and mother, mother, my father is literally yelling at my mother the day he's murdering her after he bought the gun, put the bullet in, he's yelling at her. You made me do this. You made me do this, right? Zero responsibility. And I think, I think that victimization is so uh, plentiful, and so inside uh, our, our world and culture, that victimization is so easily missed and so easily uh, succumbed to. And um, I personally, to this day, still ask myself where I'm, where I'm being a victim. To this day, I still check myself on a regular basis. If I'm having a tough day, if I'm if I'm you know mad at somebody, frustrated with somebody, if I'm you know irritated, I always ask myself, where am I being a victim here? Where am I contributing to the problem? So, um, so yeah, you know, I get it. If your family doesn't believe in you, they're not your tribe, they're not your tribe, you're know, not your people. Uh, move on. There's a whole bunch of other people there that are going to absolutely love you, and that I know to be true for my own life.
0: Before we move forward, I just wanted to ask you if there was any connection when you were in that place to your health.
1: Um, You know, I was, um my health, let's see, well, I mean, I was drinking. But, you know, back then, again, I was always a dichotomy, right? On one hand, I was spending $5 a month on, uh, you know, uh, herbs and vitamins and then drinking myself, you know, into oblivion at night. So, you know, on one hand, I was, you know, really taking good care of myself and on the other hand I was drinking myself silly so um, my health at that point was still okay mm-hmm. uh, so knock on wood thank you Lord <laughs> <laughs> thank you baby Jesus thank you baby Jesus
0: <laughs> I just I had to ask because I talked to so many people that are diagnosed um, later in life with health conditions and then they find out it really ties back to trauma in their life that they hadn't worked through
1: Oh, apps. Oh gosh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm uh, personally for me, uh I am always working on trauma. So for instance, right now I have just gained 40 pounds in my life for the first time. I've always been that person that gained 10, 15, you know, up and down kind of thing. And I've just gained 40 pounds over the last 2 years and I was diagnosed with something called SIBO that some people believe in, some people don't. Mm-hmm. Um I also had to have a hip replacement. And I also had a bad breakup that um, really brought me to a new level of PTSD. So, you know, I, I have forgiven my father. I have forgiven my mother. I have forgiven myself for that day. And uh, forgiveness is not a one time event. So, as I grow in consciousness and as I grow in experience and as I grow uh, in, in, in my business and in my personal life, um, I am always rubbing up against. Uh, how much love can I take in, you know, how much can I receive, how much can I give, I'm always rubbing up against my own, uh, you know, my own, uh, my own trauma, right? I'm always rubbing up against that. Mm -hmm. And, and that is something that I know to be true. Like, I'm not afraid of that. I don't, I no longer sit there and go, why is this happening to me again? (laughs) It's just part of my journey. It's how I was built and how I was made. And one of the reasons why I'm on this earth, so when I was going through, when I um, was going through my hip and I was not at this point yet knowing if I would ever hip replacement, I was trying every other way to get my hip to be able to walk. Um, part of my work was PTSD, uh, post-traumatic, you know, trauma therapy and I went to a therapist to work out any trauma that was still in my hip, my leg, my back, my body from from that day or any other day. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually relived the day and we discovered that my right hip is what needs what 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 did get replaced. Um, I had a full hip replacement a few months ago, and uh, that right hip was the one that was stopped short with the gun in my face with my father. So you know, a lot of energy and a lot of uh, I had to stop midstream, right? So I had a lot of energy in my right hip. And uh, so yeah, so when I am going through something personally, Uh, i.e. what's going on with my hip, I immediately go, okay, where's trauma here? Where is my parents here? You know, where is my dad here? Where is my mom here? Mm -hmm. What's the next piece? And I think that we can't be afraid of looking back because looking back allows us to look forward as long as we're looking back from a place of a desire to move forward, not to look back, i.e., and this happened to me and, you know, I could never change it. It's like, yes, we all have those pity moments. I do, too. Um, But going to trauma therapy, you know, was a proactive step for me to go, okay, wait a minute. Wonder if this has anything to do with trauma. What's going on with my hip? I mean, there's a, a, every time I'm going through a a growth spurt, like during the dark night, again, I went to a trauma, trauma therapist. So a trauma therapist is something that I meet, meet whenever I'm going through some big, I'll just use the word crossroads again, just to keep myself clear to, ke- to clear myself at a deeper level and to kind of own my past at a more uh, give myself profound more more profound meaning and integrate it more into my life again do I think that I haven't done it no, I always think that i've done it right i'm always like i can't believe this is happening again right so um i I'm always quote unquote think i'm done feel mm-hmm. like I'm done, but I also know i'm not
0: yeah
1: right so i'm not afraid of Uh, no longer. I used to be totally afraid, but now I'm not afraid to look at my father and I'm not afraid to look at my mother and I'm not afraid to look at myself and I'm not afraid to look at my alcoholism. I'm not afraid to look at my suicide attempts. That no longer brings me shame, that no longer is embarrassing or humiliating. It is part of my path. It is part of my journey. It is part of what brought me here. So I think one of the things that most people do in their crossroads is they, they forget Uh, that our most courageous actions that are really in alignment with our soul uh, are the stories that we tell for the next generation. And they're also the stories that create our future. So, you know, I'm not telling everyone to take the bold step if they really don't feel like they can. But I am saying that if you are not taking bold steps in your life and you're not on the path that you know is meant for you, then you and you alone are the only ones that can pick up the phone, check the Internet, uh, you know go to that workshop read that book, you know grab fearless living for God's sake and you know Just do what I say in fearless living or or come to a fearless foundation workshop or do something Because I guarantee you your life can change in a matter of minutes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take years. It's literally minutes um, Just having a new thought just listening to me talk Gina and I talk right now Just allow this to, to what if we're right and you are wrong, you know, what if you're right and and you're wrong? What if what I'm saying is true? And what if you've been believing about yourself is a lie? Um, and, and I know that for me, that, that phrase uh, was one, so key for me uh, during my, uh, you know, owning my life is, I, is, one of the things that I said to myself is, what if I've been wrong about myself all these years? And what if all these compliments I've received over the years uh, are true? Because mm-hmm. people would tell me I'm smart, but I didn't feel smart. People would tell me I'm creative. I never felt creative people would tell me I was funny. And I literally would argue with them. <laughs> I did. I literally, I mean, I think about it now. Oh my God. Oh my God. I would argue with people when they would tell me I'm funny. I literally didn't know I was funny. Um, I, I, I mean, which I, I think back on that and I'm so shocked by that. Cause I know I'm funny now, but, and I know I'm super creative and I know I'm smart now, but back then I didn't believe those things. Mm-hmm. And anytime anybody complimented me, I would be like, Psh, yeah, right. And, and you know, one of the tools that I use is what if they're right and I'm wrong? Mm-hmm.
0: Now, would you say that you overcame PTSD?
1: I don't know if you ever overcome PTSD. I think you just work with it. Um Or sorry, uh, but were you were you like labeled
0: or diagnosed with that?
1: You know, back in the day, uh, there was no such thing as PTSD when when you know, when my when my family situation happened and when I was in therapy, there was no such thing. OK. Uh, and and. I do believe that I do, I know I have PTSD. Okay. And 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 I don't I don't ever think that you I don't know. I maybe some people do get rid of it, quote unquote, but I just think it's um it's just a part of okay, so trauma happened to me. That is a fact. Mm-hmm. I did witness my father murdering my mother and commit suicide. I did uh get 3 DUIs. I did commit suicide. I did, mm-hmm. you know, I was an alcoholic. Like all those things happened to me and so much more. And so I can't pretend that stuff away. I have to incorporate it and embody it and integrate it, not not ignore it, not deny it. So I think that's the opportunity with trauma is we get to have a new tool to really face ourselves anew and use that trauma. You know, I am not to blame for my parents' murder-suicide, as I said, and I get to work through the trauma that lives inside of me because of it. I get to become more whole. I get that privilege. I get that honor to work within my own soul, you know, work within my own body to unleash my soul. I get that privilege and um, I do think it's a privilege that I get to do that. And I just asked you
0: about that label because this community has a lot of people for different reasons that have PTSD. I think because it's more of a, a thing right now, like the label itself, but a lot of people are experiencing traumatizing memories because we have so many people from war recently. Yes. And we have the Me Too movement with a lot of women that are sharing their sexual abuse. And yeah. I was wondering if you'd just be willing to share with people a little bit about the different types of trauma therapy versus coaching, uh, different things that are resources that they may be able to use.
1: Well, trauma therapy, I definitely would go to a trauma therapist. And I, um, there, I'm i just going to be bold enough to say do I know a lot about trauma? Yes, uh, have I helped people through trauma? Yes, because I've been through it so many times, and I am not a trauma therapist, and there is no coach that, no coach that is skilled enough to handle true trauma. Um, we are not trained we have not had seven years of training or nine years of training like a a therapist has uh, we have not most of us have not worked ten thousand hours with clients or twenty thousand hours with clients and their trauma trauma work is a specialized type of therapy it is a uh it is a particular type of therapy so if you're serious about getting trauma work there are lots of things to do i mean meditation helps trauma um uh you know i do shaman I, there's i go to a shaman right energy work all these things help trauma absolutely every single thing coaching definitely helps trauma and if you find yourself on the edge of healing and haven't been able to cross over then I really encourage you to go to trauma therapy. So again, ther- uh, meditation, energy healing, shamanism, uh, coaching, workshops, all of these things. Uh, acting classes, improv actually. Uh, improv is a great uh, way to start incorporating a lot of different feelings and thoughts uh, that we have with trauma. Because trauma really is, one one part of trauma therapy is accepting any and all feelings, mm-hmm. giving yourself permission to feel those feelings. And then the specialty about therapy is working with your body uh, to work through that therapy. Like somatic training, there's something called somatic training that isn't necessarily specifically for trauma, but it also helps you work with your body. Um, So anything that will help you get in touch with your body, because trauma basically cuts you off from your body. Um, So you want to get into your body and you want to get into your life and you want to take responsibility and you want to quit accepting the blame that is not yours. You are not to blame you do not have to carry the shame. You do not have to carry the burden. I had to put down the burden of my father murdering my mother and me doing nothing for it in my mind. I had to put that burden down in order to live my life. And so I think a lot of trauma is we have to put the burden of guilt down, the the, the burden of shame down, the burden of blame down. And we've got to say, you know, no, that that isn't my fault. Even though I could draw you know, a real clear line why it was my fault. It's still not my fault. I'm not the one that loaded the gun, right? Mm-hmm. And and we're all flawed human beings. So I, I think for those suffering with trauma, uh, especially right now, and I do agree that as a country, uh, you know, I live in California. As a country, I absolutely believe that we are um, going through a PTSD experience ourselves as a country over the last two years. I believe that wholeheartedly, and I think that's part of my 40 pounds is, you know, just the the trauma of what's been going on with Me Too, et cetera, et cetera. And um, so I do think that we're in a collective trauma. I do, I do believe that we're going to have to recover, and I do believe that we're going to have to take our lives back. Um, and I know for uh, so many of us, we just don't feel safe in the world right now. And that is part of trauma, right? If I, don't, I, I know that there are times that I don't feel safe in the world, the way it is right now. And I have to care for myself. I have to soothe myself. I have to use my tools in order to know that this world is not against me and that I can thrive and live in this world, you know, and I can be happy in this world. But again, you have to keep yourself safe. And so many of us didn't learn how to keep ourselves safe. Um, I didn't learn how to keep myself safe. Uh, I used drinking to keep myself safe, which of course is the worst choice to keep yourself safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have to learn how to keep ourselves safe emotionally, physically and emotionally. Oh, I hear your kitty in the background. Yes, my kitty <laughs> wants to say hi. It's like, yeah, yeah, please tell me what you're doing. I want to be on, I want to be in the interview with Gina. I want to be there. Yes, my little kitty always, always seems to show up at a media interview. <laughs> I bet you though, she
0: can sense the energy that you're putting off as you go through this difficult time. So thankfully, we're now shifting to <laughs> filling in the gaps of how did you get from that place to where you are now as a master coach. I'm guessing some things had to happen in between.
1: Oh, gosh, lots of things happened in between. You know, one, I had to get sober. So sobriety was a critical component of me healing my life. Um, you know, being an alcoholic just increased my shame and just created a whole bunch of new bad behaviors and a new a new batch of poor choices. So having the courage and the fortitude to quit drinking was um, one of my bravest and biggest steps. Because uh, when you quit drinking, well, when I quit drinking, Um, you know, then you have the clarity of looking at your past going, oh, crap, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why a lot of people, you know, attempt sobriety, and then uh, they, they start drinking or doing drugs again, because they look at their past and see all the damage they've done. And they just it's over overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And again, that's just a call for forgiveness, which brings me to the second thing, uh, the big second, I'm just giving you the big, I'm just giving you the big moments, you know, the second, (laughs) because there's so many, I mean, I could, so many, so many things, so many things. Um, but the first one, again, was sobriety. The second thing was forgiveness, mm-hmm. um, forgiving my father first and foremost. Um, you know, in reality, he was actually the easiest one to forgive Gina. Um, my mother was actually harder to forgive because I had to take her off the pedestal of, of, you know, Oh, well, she was murdered. So she's innocent victim. You know, I had to take her off and make her human mm-hmm. and make her, um, you know, make, make, take the, take the, Take the halo off her head and see her as a woman, mm-hmm. and then I, uh, you know, forgave her. And then lastly, the hardest person to forgive was myself, you know, for not gr- gun, for not kicking my father, for not jumping in front of my mother, for not sacrificing myself for her, you know, for being uh, the one alive, right? So, uh, doing that forgiveness work, and again, like I shared earlier, forgiveness work is a is a constant in my life. I don't think forgiveness is a one time event. I think forgiveness, mm-hmm. you know, I treat Decision. it as a daily. Yeah. It's, and it's a daily. Once you once you understand the power of forgiveness, uh, you're not afraid of it anymore. It becomes something that becomes literally gives you energy in life. The mm-hmm. unforgiveness is draining your energy, taking away your courage, taking away your right, taking away your confidence. And when you forgive, um, it doesn't mean you have to have lunch with that person. It doesn't mean you ever have to talk to that person again it's literally cutting the threads between you and that person and setting yourself free giving yourself energy giving yourself fortitude giving yourself courage giving yourself fearlessness right yeah, so yeah so forgiveness was a huge part of me moving forward oh my goodness when i went
0: through that in my life i wrote grace on my arm every day for 2 years <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go see there you go i have a good friend of mine that um she got a tattoo and put grace that's the word that she put on on her uh and on her hand is grace, just to remind her, grace, grace, oh, grace. That's that's just, yes,
0: very important. Uh, one interesting thing is it's always easier to see when you're on the outside. So as you're talking about forgiving your mother, as a mother myself, I'm thinking like, could you imagine if you actually did jump in front of her, the work that she would have to do? Because no mother ever, ever wants to have to witness their own daughter.
1: Sure. I mean, I, and, and lo- of course I logically understand that, but you know, um, when you're in that, and you know, this, you know, when you're in this place, it, it logic doesn't matter, Exactly, right? we're, we're visceral people. You're right. We, we, we're visceral. Um, you know, like they say, we don't make decisions, even though we, even though the people that think they're logical, um, all of us research shows makes decisions emotionally and use logic to back up our decisions. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I may, you know, I make a decision like I'm, I'm unworthy of happiness and then I find the evidence to prove that for right? sure. Yeah. Right? And if I decided that I was worth saving and worth living, I could find the evidence for that.
0: True. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is because didn't you find that while you're going through the journey, people on the outside seeing it so differently, there's no way that they could even understand what you're going through.
1: Oh, God. Oh, God, yes. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, um, you know, for a long time, I never told my story, which is another, you know, healing part of my story of how I got where I am today is, you know, when I first started coaching, um, I never told anybody my story, because I really, 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 really believed that nobody wanted to hear that stupid story, you know, mm. um, and I really believed that it was a downer, you know, because it is and I thought Why would people want to listen to that. So mm-hmm. I I never, ever, ever told anybody about my parents. Um, when I went away to college, nobody ever knew what happened to my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, when I moved to Los Angeles, no one ever knew what happened to my parents. Um, I would just, if they would say, oh, what about your parents? Like, oh, they, and I would just say they passed. And they go both of them and I would say yes and they would go accident and I would just say yes and in my mind I'd go, Yes, my father accidentally bought a gun and accidentally loaded it and accidentally shot my mother and himself. Right. Mm-hmm. But I I I couldn't bear because the burden, you know, I, I just the burden of other people's reaction only made me feel worse, right? So I and their shock and they're like, What? I didn't have the fortitude, or the courage, or the insight to handle that. So I would basically lie about my parents' death for decades, um, and starting to share my story publicly, uh, Oprah actually, being on Oprah was one of the first places I shared my story publicly, and, um, I, and I did it on Oprah and because I, I wanted, I figured, if I told Oprah, if I told Oprah, then the world would know, and now it was no longer a secret. <laughs> well that's a bold step yeah it's actually what I did I knew I knew for myself that I had to tell the public it's like I had to tell as many people as possible because then I couldn't hide from it anymore um and so Oprah was one of the very first people I ever told my story to wow
0: that is so incredible so if anyone's listening now and they want to hear more than we're able to share today where could they go to find to hear your whole story
1: uh we'll go to fearlessliving.org fearlessliving.org but i would love to give your listeners a gift. Gina, are you okay with that? Can i give a gift? Oh,
0: listeners always love gifts. Thank you so much.
1: <laughs> okay, so um i have this incredible course and it talks a little bit more about my story but but more importantly, it tells you about how fear works and it also gives you a tool that you can use today. To start shifting your life to truly letting go of some of the things that are stopping you moving forward and stopping you moving forward in your dreams. So go on over to fearlessliving.org forward slash risk. That's R-I-S-K. Risk as and we've got to take some risks, ladies and gentlemen. So fearlessliving.org forward slash risk. R-I-S-K. And when you go over there, um, you'll be on a page, it'll be like a salmony orangey page, and you'll put your name and your email email in it. And you're going to click the button, and as soon as you enter your information, you will be sent via email access to a course that I call Stretch, Risk, or Die. And Stretch, Risk, or Die is just like it says. Um, How do we stretch? How do we risk? And how do we take those dies in our lives to move forward in our dreams, to to move into our soul's calling, to move into our purpose, to do what we're really meant to do in this world? And uh, we must take those stretch, risk, and dies. And I show you how to do it. And no, I don't tell you just to do it because that doesn't help. I actually give <laughs> the tools and skills on how to actually Because I hate when people say just do it. It's like no, I can't just do it. That no, love yourself. No, I don't know how to love myself. What are you talking about? So, um, uh, so go on over to fearlessliving.org forward slash forward slash risk r i s k. Put your name and email in, and you will get in your inbox. And if and if you don't see it in your inbox, it probably went over to your spam or junk file because it's the first time we've emailed each other. So go ahead and get that out. Put it in your inbox. You'll know, move it to your inbox so that now you get all the emails for the course.
0: Oh, thank you so much. If you have jumped in halfway through this interview, we're talking with Rhonda Britton on the Synergy Mindset Coaching Podcast. Everything we talk about today will be linked in at synergy mindset com backslash Rhonda Britton. And we are running out of time for this interview. You have just shared so much of your story. You've been so open and so transparent. I hope they will go check out to find the rest of it at your website.
1: Me too, fearlessliving.org forward slash risk. And of course, also meet me over at Master Coach Mindset Podcast. And remember, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's just fear. It is not your fault. Let go of the shame and blame. It's time to release that and start truly being your fearless true nature self. So, we're going to jump into the grand
0: finale really quickly. I've got about 3 questions left for you. Is that all right? Oh, yes, yeah, go for it. Excellent. Can you tell everybody what is your favorite book?
1: Oh gosh. Well, besides my own fearless thing, <laughs> um, you know, gosh, I have so many favorite books. That's such a hard question. Um, You know, I think every single person in the world should read Patricia Evans, The Verbally Abusive Relationship. I think every person in the world should read The Artist's Way by, um, uh, um, oh gosh, I forgot, Julia Cameron. Um, I think everybody in the world uh, should read, um, oh God, there's so many. Uh, (laughs) My favorite, favorite, favorite book, boy, um, gosh, oh boy, I would say, Boy. Okay, I just gave you two. I'll leave it at that. <laughs>
0: Sounds great. And now I'm gonna ask you for your favorite podcast.
1: I love to listen to stories. So I um there's something called um oh gosh, what is the name of it? I um it's from a public broadcasting and I wanna say it's called Publica, and it talks about mental health issues and um in story form, and it's just really fantastic. Excellent.
0: I have a question for you. Please tell us what does every day is a second chance to mean to you?
1: Uh, To be true to yourself, to live true to yourself.
0: And to end off the show, give you the opportunity to share a parting piece of guidance in the best way that people can connect with you.
1: Oh, uh, and I'll just repeat what I said a minute ago. It is not your fault. If I could say one thing and one thing only, if you could only take one thing into your soul and have it seep into your cells, if there's only one thing you hear me say all day long, it and this is it, it is not your fault. Whatever you're blaming yourself for, shaming yourself for, uh even if you're the one that took the action, it is not your fault. Fear has is, has has had its way with you and it is part of our neurobiology and no one taught you how to master fear and no one taught you how to see fear and no one taught you what fear is like. Fear is not I'm afraid or I'm scared. Fear is shows up as symptoms as worry and procrastination and perfectionism and judgment and comparing and competing. All of those things are underlining are are symptoms of an underlining fear. So no one taught us this stuff. But once you understand how fear works, everything changes. And you literally look at your life and you go, Oh my God, now I see why I did this. I why I didn't do that, why I did that, this, not, oh gosh. Everything (laughs) makes sense. And I'm not kidding people tell me all the time when they understand how fear works, the thing they get most is peace of mind that they can truly leave their burden behind, leave the shame of the past behind and truly step into a new beginning for themselves. And they truly can start over and get that second chance, but they, but you have to decide to do it. So um, again, just go over to fearlesslivingorg forward slash risk, RISK, grab the free free course. If nothing else, just go grab the free course. It's it's three 15 minute videos. That's it. And there are a whole bunch of templates and sheets to help you. And it's so simple, and it's just 15 minutes, three times, that's it. And, um, and I'm funny, so it'll be engaging, entertaining. Uh, so go on over and do that, and really, I, I give that gift to you because I truly want you to know that it's not your fault, not intellectually, but in every cell of your being.